This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Welcome. Uh, There's a little game going on this afternoon. You probably have heard about that game. You might have noticed a little subtle orange up here. Um, I married a girl from Denver. I would like to sleep with her tonight. So that's how that works, all right? (laughs) Um, Wow, what a fun day. Uh, This is a special day for our church. Kevin's going to talk a little bit more about that uh, at the end of our service, but I I just want to say 18 years today our church is. How fun is that? So for those of you who are brand new, my name is Ron, and um, I happen to be the founding pastor of our church. And so uh, this is a special day for me. I'm so excited to be here and, and to get to teach you on this Sunday morning. Um, let me give you, for those of you who are new here, I want to introduce you to a couple of tools that will be very helpful for you this morning. And the first is this card. It gives you the opportunity to communicate directly with our pastoral staff. All of us use this week after week. Uh, there will be hundreds of these turned in today. On the Start Here side, if you'll put your name and contact information on the back, you can uh, ask for information about different things in our church. You can ask the staff to pray about something that's going on in your life. I'm going to offer a couple of resources at the end, including one that's actually not listed there, uh, but got suggested to me between services, and it's a great resource, so that'll be sort of fun. Uh, but it all starts with you putting your name on the front, your contact information, uh, and then at the end of our service, we'll be collecting those. So you can do that and set it aside for right now. And then you want to pull out this uh, half sheet of teaching notes because they're going to guide you through what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. We are in the middle of a series called Modern Family. And uh, I just want to say, if you missed last Sunday, you got to go pull up the podcast and listen. Didn't Kevin do a masterful job on that subject? It was awesome. It really was. Um, Today, we're going to dive headlong into parent-child relationships. How fun is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Now, here's the interesting thing about this subject. Every time I'm asked to speak on parenting, I realize that there's a group of people out here that are just going to be all ears because you have kids at home and you're hoping that something I say will make your job either more effective or less stressful, right? Yes. Yes, Yes, both. Right. Um, And then... I'm always aware that there's a whole group of people in here and you've already raised your kids and, and um, you're going to see if I actually know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah okay, thank you, yes. Um, and actually the danger is that, that you'll think, oh, well, there's nothing in here for me. Um, there's also another group of people in here who are either not married yet or don't have children um, or it's, you have grandkids, Listen, everything I'm going to teach you today, kids are people. They're human beings. And everything I teach you today actually works not only in your home, if you have children still at home, but it actually works in the workplace as well. Had somebody come up to me last week. In fact, uh, had another person come up to me after first service and say, you were so right about that. I'm learning to take every principle that I'm learning at church, and, and I work at a place of leadership in my job, And I'm actually stealing all those ideas and using them on my work teams. And it's amazing what's happening. Yes. 
Yeah, you know, God wrote the book on life. So before you think, oh, well, this sermon is for all those young couples that have kids, hang on, listen. And even though most of the illustrations I'm going to give come straight out of family life, the principles actually apply way above and beyond that. Now, this morning, what we're going to press into is we're going to press into a principle that if we'll take these two principles, sort of consider them tools, and put them in our tool belts, it will, these two tools will greatly increase the effectiveness of, of what we do as we parent our children, and it will make a huge difference in our children's lives uh, and beyond. In fact, what we're going to talk about will directly affect our children's sense of identity. It will directly affect their level of self-love and therefore self-care. It will directly affect their academic function, and it will directly affect how drawn they are to the counterculture world or how less drawn they are to that. When I say counterculture world, I mean anything that is basically outside of cultural mainstream, drawn into uh, the drug world, drawn into straight rebellion, drawn, drawn into lifestyles that are definitely self-destructive. So if we could get a couple of tools that ha- would help us with that, that would be good, right? Of course it would. So um, let's start with an illustration of a car. Because in order for a car to be helpful and useful for you, it has to have at least two things. Number one, it has to have a source of power. You ever gone out, turned, nothing happened? Not a happy camper, right? Because your car looks good sitting in the driveway, but if it will not take you anywhere, it's not much fun in that moment of time. Because it has to have a source of power. The other thing that your car has to have in order to be useful for you is you have to have the ability to actually direct it. If something happens to the steering mechanism and you can no longer steer it, is it fun to drive? Is it scary to drive? Yes, because it starts running into things and destroying things. That's not a good idea. Well, guess what? Children are the same way. They have to have a source of power and they have to have some sort of direction or they start running into things and destroying them. And neither one of those is good. Let's go straight to the Bible. We're going to take a look at God's instruction, and it's pretty straightforward. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. This is the right thing to do. Now, it's very clear that that passage is addressed to children. But here's the point. Your children need to understand that principle long before they read. Okay? If you wait till they read and get this on their own, it'll be too late. You know what's implied in that passage Not only do children need to obey their parents, but parents need to actually train their children in how to do that. We're going to talk about that this morning. He goes on to say, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Now, this is really a, 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 a proverb. And a proverb is a principle that's generally true. And then he's going to lay out Uh, what generally happens. For if you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on this earth. And it is generally true that children who grow up obedient and and they don't go into self-destructive lifestyles, they're obedient and and they work in partnership with their parents, they tend to live longer and enjoy life more. That is definitely true. 
Now he goes on. Now fathers, and by the way, Paul wrote this to a very, very male-dominant world, which is why he started with fathers in our culture, and I think much more healthily so. This would be parents do not provoke. And I put the word exasperate in there because that's many translations use that word. So don't exasperate your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and many translations say training and the instruction of the Lord. And so we're going to focus for, for the bulk of the morning on the part that says, don't provoke or exasperate your children. Now, everything that God writes to us, he writes so that we could live healthy and functional and happy lives. Take a look at the title of the message. It says, PB and J Kids. Doesn't that just conjure up all sorts of wonderful things? Of course. Yeah, everybody likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But the pe- that, that, that's not peanut butter and jelly for this message. You probably figured that out, all right? Here's what I want you to understand. You know what God wants for your children and for your home? He would like for all of you to be filled with peace. Let me tell you what my dad said to me. I was a junior in high school, and my dad was a master at catching teachable moments. And so I'm a junior in high school. I'm like 16 years of age. And we lived out in the country, and my dad was driving me to a zero-period class. So it was, you know, mega early in the morning. And I can still tell you where we were on the road that went from our house to town when, when he pulled out this teachable moment. And he said to me, Ron, all things being equal... Someday, when you finish growing up and you leave my home, you'll probably get married. God will probably bless you with children. And if he does, I want you to remember this. If you teach your children their proper place in your home, and he didn't mean in the shadows, he said, carve out a beautiful and wonderful place for your children. But if you teach your children their proper place in your home and you train them to stay in that place, you'll have happy kids and you will enjoy your home. But he said, if you don't, if you don't teach your children their proper place in your home and you sort of let the kids run wherever they want and do whatever they want in your home and you're always running after your kids, He said, trust me, you will not have happy kids and you'll struggle to enjoy your home. That was a lot of years ago. I can't tell you how many times God brought that up to me and to Monica, actually, as we were raising our children. And I just want you to know that principle, okay? Because... If, you're gonna, if your kids are going to have peace in their lives, it's because they will know their place and they will have been trained to stay in that place. The B stands for behavior. Okay? Yeah. Because if you are behaving yourself, and it's not assumed that parents behave, because we all know parents misbehave, right? Yeah, we all struggle with that. If I'm behaving myself and my children are behaving themselves, there's an amazing thing that happens. There's joy in our home, and that's what the J stands for. 
And did you know that's what God wants for your home? He wants your home to be filled with peace. He wants the people in your home to behave because if there's no behavior, there's no peace. And if there's no behavior, no peace, I can tell you there's no joy. Got it? So the question is, how do we get those things? Well, there are two things that I think contribute hugely to those, and lots of studies have been done, and they're based on biblical principle. And so I'm just going to haul out two principles this morning, and we'll work on these two, okay? And uh, the first is the power. Remember, a car needs power, kid needs power, kids need power. So what is, is it that empowers them? Well, it is a thing that we call support, okay? And, and I'm going to show you what support looks like, but you got to realize that when the children come into your home, they are helpless infants. And, and, and I don't want to scare you or scare me, but when our children come into our home, they are helpless infants who literally cannot do anything for themselves. And 18 years later, when they walk out the door of our home, they have to be ready to face the world and carve out their own niche in the world. There's a huge transformation that has to take place. And, and, and we can do things as parents that will empower our children. And I want to lay out five of them because they're all really important. And the first is it, we, we need to empower them with love. And it has to be unconditional love, not behavior-based love. It has to be completely unconditional. And that could be a sermon in and of itself. But I want you to write this down because most of us, to some degree, get the idea of unconditional love. But where most of us might struggle is in this. Friends, you might feel all this love for your kids in your heart. Virtually every parent I've talked to does. But if you don't express that to your child, it never empowers your child. Got it? If we don't get that done, we might feel it all in here. My prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we would love our children enough that we could actually look them in the eye and literally looking them in the eye and say to them, I don't even know how to tell you how much I love you. I am so glad that of all the homes God could have chosen for you, God chose our home. I'm so honored to get to be your father. I'm so honored to get to be your mother. I mean, I love you. Children need to hear that over and over and over. And it can't be perfunctory it has to come from here. Praise. And as crazy as this sounds, as unconditional as love needs to be, praise needs to be conditional. You think, wait a minute, that does not sound right. All sorts of studies have been done that when we praise our children for something that is not praiseworthy, we mess with their sense of reality. Okay? Your kid goes to play basketball. He or she might not be the next Stephen Curry. Okay? They might be throwing up bricks from all over the place. 
When you get them in the car and say, man, you are so good. I mean, you, you could be a professional basketball player. I just love watching you play basketball. You are messing with that kid's sense of reality. You can say, you know what I love? I love how hard you try. I love the effort you put in. And you know, even when you struggle, I'm so proud of the fact that you don't give up. You just keep shooting. Yeah. Now you've found something praiseworthy. And and one of our jobs as parents is to help our children discover what they're really good at and build them up and praise them in that. Not, not, Not to a proud level, but to a confident level. Because you know what you're helping your child do? You're not only helping them get a sense of reality, but you're starting to build a little bit of a sense of identity and purpose in them. But if you praise them for things, and I praise them for things that they're actually not good at, I mess all that up. Does that make sense? Yeah. So give them wonderful conditional praise. And then we need to give them a sense of identity. And here's, the, here's what I wrote down in my notes. If I don't help my child get a proper sense of identity, they'll get their identity from the playground. I don't want the playground kids to set the identity for my kids. So I've got to help them understand what their identity is. And one of the things, one of the greatest things we can teach our children is that you are the wonderful creation of a loving Father who breathed life into your lungs and who wants to be your Father forever. You, my son or my daughter, were created by Him. I'm so blessed to get to be your earthly father. I'm so blessed to get to be your earthly mother. But this is your identity. They will not get that in the playground, correct? Yeah. They need a sense of purpose. By the way, I know you've noticed, all children come wired to believe the world is about them. Right? Yes. Our job is to help them discover that as long as the world is about them, they actually will not like the world. But as we lead them to an other-focused perspective in life and begin to help them discover their eternal purpose, which is not just self-gratification. It's something way above, beyond, and better than that. When they begin to discover what their God-given purpose is, now they start to have a power on the inside that's unshakable because it's not about them. And then a sense of partnership. At all times, even when we're correcting our children, there needs to be an undertow. There needs to be a current that's going on in the background that our children never question whether we are in their corner for them. They need to know that nothing they say or do will ever in any sense make us their enemy. 
no matter how hurt we are by what they've done, no matter how disappointed we are in the choices that they have made or are making, that, that no matter what comes in life, they need to know my dad and my mom is in my corner. Not meddling, not trying to manipulate me, in my corner. Yeah. So that's what support is. It's all sorts of things, depending upon how old your kids are and all that stuff, that you can work on applying that. And you'll do that in your life groups. But that's, that's what will give our children power to go from this helpless infant to someone who's ready to carve out their place in this world by the time they're 18. But our children need more than support. Just like a car, they need some direction. Let's talk about direction for the next few minutes. And direction is basically about control. And I like to golf, and every once in a while I'll say to someone, hey, do you like to golf? And they'll say to me, I have better things to do with my time than chase a tiny little white ball through the weeds and the bushes. Okay. You know what I know when someone tells me that? Okay. The problem is not the golf ball. The problem is the golfer. (laughs) Quite often people will say to me, I am so tired of chasing after my kids. Oh, hello. When people tell me that, you know what I know. The problem is not the child. The problem is the parent. I'll say that with love and deep respect and great concern. But the issue is not the child. It is the parent. You see, in, in our world, well, there's a classic rock song that probably illustrates it best. There's a classic Bon Jovi rock song that goes like this. You give love a what? A bad name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not down on Bon Jovi or that song, all right? But here's what I want you to know. By the way, love's a good thing, right? Yeah. I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the line, we have given control a bad name. As if if controlling or guiding our kids is an awful thing. Follow me just for a minute. Virtually everything in your world, if it's under control, it's good. If it's out of control, it's bad. Fire under control cooks your food. Fire out of control burns your house down. A car under control takes you on beautiful scenic drives. A car out of control destroys your life. A pet, a dog that's under control wags its tail and thinks everybody in the world loves it. A dog that's out of control is continually yapped at by its owner, kept on a leash, and it's not happy. Yeah. Kids are no different. When kids are under control, they wag their tail and thinks the whole world likes them. And when they're out of control, in the end, they don't know where their place is in life. They keep pushing the boundaries they irritate themselves, 
They irritate everyone around them. It's just not fun. And so let's talk about control. Now, it can be overdone. And like anything else, when it's overdone, it's no good. But our children need direction in order to aim all that power that we're giving them. And here are the things that we can do to actually give them direction. Number one, we can give them guidance. Now, it needs to be thoughtful, and it certainly cannot be power-driven. If you're a parent, and you're on a power trip, and you have to keep saying to your children, hey, I'm the parent around here, um, that's not going to work, okay? We have to give our children thoughtful guidance that's tailored to them. We need to give them rules, and they have to be logical, and not sometimes, as parents, we tend to make rules that are more for our convenience than they are for the well-being of our children. Kids can sniff that out. That's not going to contribute to their peace, definitely will not contribute to their behavior, and it certainly will not contribute to the joy in the home. Boundaries. I remember when we were raising our children, every once in a while, Monica and I would get a little lax on the boundaries. And you could watch our children, you know, they would step where the boundary usually was. And if there was no boundary there, they would step a little further. And if there was no boundary there, they would step a little further until eventually they were waiting for the boundary to come down. When the boundary came down, you know, they would cry, of course, because no kid is going to say, thank you, mom and dad. I love boundaries so much. (laughs) They're not going to say that. They would cry. But on the inside, when a child does not have boundaries, they do not feel protected. They needed them. Then processes and routines. No child and no adult can survive a lifestyle where we make up every day from scratch. We just don't. When people make up every day from scratch and they go to bed today whenever they feel like going to bed and they get up whenever they feel like getting up and they eat breakfast, maybe if they feel like it, maybe if they don't, and they go go through their whole life and every day they make up from scratch, those are the people who end up in my office going, what is wrong with me? Right, because they, they don't have any routine. Children, people thrive under routine that has some flex built into it. So, if we build productive routines and processes in our families and don't just live in this random way, it helps our kids with their guidance and helps them channel that energy. Corrective process. Corrective process happens on both ends. As, as parents, I just said a while ago that when Monica and I were raising our children, every once in a while we get lax on the boundaries and so forth. When that would happen, we realized that we actually needed to make a corrective adjustment in how we were parenting our children. The same thing is true with our children. We had to continually help them make corrections. It's like riding a bicycle. As scary as this sounds, the only way you can ride a bicycle is continually to be going out of balance and making corrective measures. That's how you ride. That's how you keep it upright. And if someone were to weld your handlebars where you could not turn them, you could not ride the bike. You would fall over. There's no way to correct it and get your balance back. 
And so there have to be corrective processes in a family. But listen, the corrective processes cannot be vengeful. They cannot be administered in anger. Because when we correct our children in anger, we actually harm them. We hurt them. We become destructive to them. And then last of all, all these things have to be applied. And they have to be expected. And they have to be, they have to be done consistently. All of this is so we don't exasperate our children because when we do any of these things and we do them inconsistently, we actually exasperate and frustrate our children. Yeah. So now that's what direction looks like. We have a few minutes left, and I'm going to draw a chart up here, and you have a chart in your, in your uh, notes. And it looks like this, and if this is the support ax, um, ax, axis, and this is the control axis, uh, axis, then these people up here are the balanced parents. They have high, high control and high support. In other words, they do, all of the, they do a lot of the things we're talking about for support, a lot of things that we, that, that we talked about for control. These people down here are the permissive parents. They go to all the soccer games. They help the kids do their homework. They're all these supportive things, but they have little or no control over their kids. These people over here are the neglectful ones. These people don't give support or control. They're absentee parents. They should not have kids. Got it? Uh, that sounds terrible, but that's true. All right, here we go. <laughs> and then last of all, <laughs> if you're not going to give support and you're not going to give control, don't get pregnant, all right? And then the last of all is the authoritarian... <laughs> The authoritarian parents. That's just like Kevin. I think that guy's rubbing off on me. All right. <laughs> so the authoritarian parents are the parents who say, nobody's going to misbehave in my house. I'm going to run this place with an iron fist. We got lots of control, lots of control, lots of guidelines, lots of rules. And you better not step out of line because the hammer is going to come down. But there's very little support. These are authoritarian parents. Now, look at the chart up here. Can you see one of them is green, one of them is yellow, and two of them are red? That's because there's actually one way to do this right. There's two ways to do it awful, and there's one way to do it not quite so bad. All right? You want to stay in the green. These are parenting styles, but they are also parenting zones. And, and you can be in this zone for a while and slip into this zone. You can be in this zone for a while and slip into this zone. You can even be in this zone for a while and slip into this zone. But the idea is to spend as much time as you can up here. Got it? Say, got it? Got it. Got it. Okay, all right. Now, let's, let's put up here the results in the areas that I talked to you about in terms of identity, self-love, and self-care, academic function, and relating to the counterculture. And let's start with the balanced parenting style or zone. They finished number one in sense of identity. The kids had the greatest sense of personal identity of any of the categories. Number one in the sense of self-love and self-care. They tied for number one in academic function and they were dead last in terms of how many of their kids actually wandered out into the counterculture. Yeah. That's why you want to stay in that zone as much as you can. Okay? Let's go to where number two was. Okay? Believe it or not, 
the permissive parents came in second. Now listen, it's a distant second. Don't look at this and go, oh, well, that's almost as good as number one. Okay? That's going to be like, that's going to be like the loser of the Super Bowl saying, hey, we came in second. All right. Yeah. You got it, right? All right, here we go. This is a distant second, all right? They finished number two in sense of identity, number two in, in, love, in self-love. They tied for number one in academic function. You know why they tied for number one? Because these are the parents who help their kids with their homework. These are the parents who actually go to the parent-teacher conferences. Remember, high support. So their kids did well academically, and they were number three. That definitely a much higher number of them went into the counterculture than those who, who came from the balanced parenting style homes. Let's move over to the neglectful side. Okay? The neglectful people, look at this. They finished dead last in sense of identity. Their kids did. Their kids didn't know who they were. They had no self-love or self-care. They, they understood self-gratification, but that was it. No self-love and self-care. They finished dead last in academic function. Why? Because they got neither support nor control or direction, and they tied for first in going to the counterculture. These kids are lost in this world, and they're looking for answers. And then the authoritarian, look at this. They didn't do much better. They, they tied for dead last in the sense of identity. You know why? Because when your kids are always told who they're not and what they're not supposed to be doing, they still don't know who they are. Okay? They tied for dead last in self-love and self-care. Why? Because they haven't ever been loved or cared for anyway. They've just been told what to do. They tied for third, uh, which is next to last in academic function. You know why they, they didn't tie for dead last in that? Because at least the parents made sure they did the homework. And then they tied for number one in going into the counterculture. It was just as bad for, for them as for the parents who did nothing for their kids. As we close, let me give us some ways, some things that we can do. Okay? I realize, uh, by the way, I realize that I flew through this material. Um, I will put together uh, maybe a 15 to 20 minute podcast this week. Um, so if you would like to get that on your Connect card, you can write in, in one of the blanks down there. Just write um, the chart podcast. Just put chart podcast, and, and I will send that to you, or I can take this chart, and I'll break it out in more detail than I did here. Um, a second thing that we can do is we can actually take this support and control progress report uh, you can see there are check boxes in front of each one of those things under support and control. Uh, rate yourself one to five in each of those categories. And then uh, if you really want to do something fun, you know, find somebody who knows you well, not your spouse. Find somebody who knows you well and say, hey, would you take this on me? Okay? And then I realize that you can't work on all of those things at once. So... Maybe select one of the things under support and one of the things under control that you're weakest in and go to work on those. Fair enough? Okay. Then please send me a link to Grace-Based Parenting. Great book by, by author Tim Kimmel. Um, if you've never read it, it's really, really, really helpful. Uh, I wish I could give it to you free. I can't give it to you free. But if you say, I want that link, I'll send you the link and you can order it. And that way you don't have to go look it up. It's right there. 
and also the DNA of parent-teen relationships written by uh, Gary Chapman and his son Greg. They write about it together. Uh, It is a fantastic book if you have teens. Again, I wish I could send it to you free. I can't, but I will send you the link. And then last of all, obviously, every Sunday here at New Life, you can make a first-time decision to follow Christ and say, hey, I want to become a Christian because this is starting to make sense. I want to get on board with Jesus. I'm going to give a short prayer and I'll turn it over to Kevin. Father, thank you so much for our kids, for every kid represented in this room, every family represented in this room, every family that's going to listen to this podcast and somehow view it or or hear it somewhere. God, we love our kids. Every single one of us loves our kids. And, and, And sometimes, God, we feel completely unqualified to be their parents. Would you meet us through this teaching and in this week? And would you show us what's next for us? And would you give us grace to step into that? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.